0: John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, the Word of God says, There is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know not that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness, your graciousness. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and, Lord, the clarity you give us and who you are and, Lord, what you expect and what you have done for us. And I pray that this morning as we as we have this time of preaching, Lord, that you will open our eyes, Lord, open our ears, and, Lord, I pray that you will eliminate distraction and allow us to, to truly heed your word and obey it. And I pray for those in, who are here this morning that, Lord, if there's someone here that does not know if they have a relationship with you, does not know if they'll spend eternity with you in heaven. Lord, I pray that you will allow them to listen. Lord, I pray that you will give them a new heart. Amen. I pray they will turn from their sins and believe in you and trust in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated.
1: Amen. Good morning. Turn to your neighbor. Say good morning, neighbor. Say, are you ready for God's word today? What'd they say? Hopefully, they said yes. We've been doing this the last couple of weeks. Am I on? Yes or no? Am I on? I can't tell. No, no, I'm not on. I'm not. Test, test. Well, you can hear me. I got a big mouth. (laughs) That's not a problem. So the issue is if whether or not everybody on the radio and Facebook can hear me as well. Well, they're going to get on that, and it's good to be back. We're good, all right. It's good to be back with you preaching and teaching, and appreciate your prayers for us as we have welcomed baby T into the house. And uh, the other night, Timothy was fussing a little bit as babies are wont to do, and I remember waking up and rolling over, and, and I remember I, I, I could just tell there was a little bit of frustration in the room. And so as, as, I, as I am ought to do, I rolled over and I said, Baby, do you need me to take him? I can take him for a little while, and and I can help you. And then I fell right back to sleep. And so sometimes I know, like, the spirit is willing, amen, but the flesh is weak. And so, uh, boy, but he's doing well, and we appreciate your prayers, and uh, God is good, amen. This morning, I'm going to speak to a matter of vital importance. I'm going to speak to that which is the groundwork for our hope for heaven, Speak to that which is the foundation of the whole structure of the life of faith. You must be born again. It is the difference between heaven or hell. You must be born again. And before you turn me off this morning, I want us to know that the Bible teaches that we who claim to be Christians should examine ourselves. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse number 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus is in you, except ye be reprobates." It is biblical for we who claim to know Christ to examine ourselves. So if this morning in your head, even as I started, or as maybe as the title was announced, you said, Oh, I don't need that, or, or maybe, Oh, I did that. Church, I'm praying this morning that especially you will listen today. We're going to look at a portion of conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. I want us to see this all-important truth that you must be born again. Look with me, John chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse number 1. The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, read it in unison with me, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice number one with me this morning, the must of the new birth. The must of the new birth. Ye must be born again. Now the conversation between these two men takes place at night. Nicodemus starts here by complimenting Jesus. He says, teacher, master, we know that you're come from God. We know and we recognize God's hand upon your life and upon your teaching and on your miracles. We know you're come from God. So Nicodemus starts by giving Jesus a compliment. Jesus in verse number 3 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, thank you so much for those kind words. No. Nicodemus begins by giving Jesus a compliment. Jesus gets right to it. And he says, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you're going to die and go to hell. Shocking. Can I tell you why it was shocking? Because Nicodemus was a good man. He was a good moral, religious man. You know, I know that when we read the New Testament, the Pharisees get a bad rap. And Jesus did take a lot of time to to attack a lot of uh, the, the, the hypocritical things of the Pharisees. But I think we miss who the Pharisees were. Though the Pharisees get a bad rap, not all of the Pharisees were bad people. In fact, the Pharisees were the leading conservative religious movement of their day. They went to church faithfully. They read the Bible faithfully. They memorized Scripture faithfully. In fact, before you could be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament in their entirety. And I know that's no big deal to you because you memorized Leviticus a long time ago. But they went to church faithfully, and they read the Bible faithfully, and they memorized Scripture faithfully. They tithed 10% of everything down to the herbs and spices that they had. The Bible says they fasted twice a week, which is twice as much as most of us have fasted in our entire lives. Moreover, the Pharisees believed in God. Not just God, but the one true God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Pharisees believed in the God of the Bible. And Nicodemus was pro-Jesus. He says, Jesus, I know you're a good man. Come from God. Nicodemus was pro-Jesus. Yet Nicodemus was lost and on his way to hell. Jesus didn't say these words to a drug dealer or to a murderer or to a prostitute. Jesus said these words to a man who went to church more than you do, read the Bible more than you do, memorized more of the Bible than you ever have, gave more than you do, fasted more than you do. Jesus looked at this man and said, except a man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Because here's the thing you don't get to heaven because you go to church. You don't get to heaven because you read the Bible. You don't get to heaven because you memorize the Bible or pray or or do religious works like fasting or tithing. You don't even get to heaven, hear me, you don't even get to heaven because you believe in God. James said in James chapter 2 in verse number 19, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. I, there's a lot of sarcasm there actually. You believe in one God, good for you bucko. Even the devils believe and tremble. But you're not going to get to heaven because you believe there's a God. Or even because you believe in the God of the Bible. You don't go to heaven because you're pro-Jesus. You must be born again no if no and no but no exception no asterisk you must be born again so if we understand the must of the new birth then church it behooves us to then understand the miracle of the new birth what is this? I want you to see how the conversation goes we'll look back in verse number 3 Jesus answered and said unto him, Read it in unison with me, church. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4 says, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. If we understand the must of the new birth, church, it behooves us then to understand the miracle of the new birth. This is important because there are a lot of people who think they are going to heaven, but they're not. A lot of people who think they're going to heaven, but they're not. And I'm going to tell you, preachers are partly to blame. Because I don't know that I've even ever been to a funeral. It doesn't matter how the person lived. What does the preacher say at the funeral? Oh, well, our God is a God of mercy and of long-suffering compassion. And, and we know Bill is in a better place. Well, we know how Bill lived. We know Bill never professed the Lord Jesus as his Savior. Well, we, we all know Susie's in a better place. I don't think I've been to one funeral where the preacher said, We all know Bill's in hell. We all know Susie didn't get to heaven. And I think sometimes we just we, we get, this, uh, we get this lukewarm blah, like everything just works itself out. And the reality is it doesn't. That except a man be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of people who think they're going to heaven who are not. I'll tell you some of the saddest verses in all the Bible we find in Matthew chapter 7, beginning really in verse number 21, but we'll pick up in verse 22. Jesus says this. This is the words of Jesus many will say to me in that day. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? and, And in thy name we've done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you apart from me ye that work iniquity and so church it's important that we understand what the miracle of the new birth is And Jesus here draws a sharp contrast in comparison between the physical birth and the spiritual birth. When Jesus says that which is born of water is water, he is talking about physical birth. Not baptism, but physical birth. Uh, You've got the phrase, "When, when the lady goes into labor, her water breaks. And so Jesus is drawing a contrast between Physical birth, that which is born of water, and spiritual birth, that which is born of the Spirit. So why do we have to be born again? Because physical birth cannot suffice to bring me into the kingdom of God. You see, in my physical birth, I am by nature a sinner. You don't have to teach kids how to do wrong. You have to teach kids how to do right. You don't have to teach kids how to be lazy. You have to teach them how to work hard. I don't have to teach myself how to slack. I have to teach myself how to be disciplined. I don't, forgiveness doesn't come naturally to this flesh. I am by nature a sinner. Set at enemy against God. And nothing that I can do changes that fundamental law. When I am born... Alive in the flesh, I am spiritually dead. Far from God. And hear me, my spiritual standing before God cannot be repaired. It cannot be restored. And it cannot be rehabilitated. We are dead indeed in our sins. It cannot be repaired. It cannot be restored and it cannot be rehabilitated. That's why you can't come to church enough to get to heaven, read the Bible enough to get to heaven, pray enough to get to heaven, give enough to go to heaven, go enough to get to heaven. You can't do that because we cannot be repaired, restored, or rehabilitated. We must be reborn. We must be born again. Jesus here is, he begins to describe the miracle of the new birth. The miracle of the spiritual birth. I think it's important, church, that we stop and recognize at this moment that the miracle of the new birth is not something that we conjure up on our own. Any more than we conjured up our own birth. What is it? This is, the Bible says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so we see in the new birth, it is the Spirit of God that works in our hearts. What does the Spirit of God do? He applies conviction to our hearts over our sin. John 16, in verse number 8, the Bible says this, And when He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What does the Spirit do? He convicts my heart of sin. What does the Spirit do? He draws me to the Savior. John 6, in verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come except the Father which sent me draw him. In other words, I'm not getting saved when I want to get saved. We got the wrong idea that I'll live my life for now. And when I'm ready, then I'll come to God. No. It's the Spirit of God that must work in our heart. The Spirit of God convicts us of our sin. The Spirit of God draws us to Christ. Hey, this one's really important. He brings the power of God's Word to bear in our hearts. See, in the matter of salvation, the Bible says this, Romans 10, verse 17, that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, I, I, I'm, very, I'm very skeptical, I'm very uneasy about people who, who claim to be saved, but their salvation experience has nothing to do with conviction, has nothing to do with being drawn to the Savior, has nothing to do with the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse number 23. Being born again, not of corruptible see, but of incorruptible, by the, what is it, church? Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. James 1 in verse number 18. Of his, speaking of God, of his own will, begat he us with the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Here's the thing. Just as you didn't will your first birth, you're not going to will your second birth. It is the Spirit of God that works in our hearts. It is the Spirit of God that convicts us of sin. It is the Spirit of God who draws us to the Savior. It is the Spirit of God who brings the power of God's Word to bear in our hearts that as sinners we are dead and doomed in our sins. We abide under the wrath of God. But that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so hear me, church, this emotion, this conviction, this experience is also not the new birth. Just because we felt something doesn't mean we are born again. Just because we felt bad doesn't mean we're born again. Just because we felt really good doesn't mean we're born again. This is the work of the Spirit in our hearts behind the scenes. So what is the miracle of the new birth? miracle of the new birth is this, we are born again when in response to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures we in faith believe in the Lord Jesus and His saving power Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I said it earlier, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We are born again when in response to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, we in faith believe in the Lord Jesus and His saving power, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit enters in and makes our spirit alive to God. Amen. He quickens our spirit and we are born again. It's not the conviction It's not the feeling bad. It's not the feeling good. It's not that Jesus got me out of. No. It's when in response to the Spirit and the Scriptures, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus that the Spirit enters in and makes our spirit alive to God. That is the miracle of the new birth. Church is important because except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It matters. It matters. So then we come to the question I understand the must of the new birth, and I understand then the miracle of the new birth. But then there's often some confusion out there how do I know that I'm born again? How do I know that I'm born again? I, I hear the words of Jesus in John 3 and verse number 7. He says, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. So how can I know that I'm born again? Well, I am so glad that God doesn't leave us to wonder, Amen? Because as we look at God's words, we not only see the must of the new birth and the miracle of the new birth, but God shows us some marks of the new birth as well. God shows us some marks of the new birth. So many are deceived. How can I know that I am born again? You know, when we took tea to the doctor this past week, the doctor asked if we had spotted any birthmarks. You know what? If you are born into the family of God, there are going to be some birthmarks on your heart and life that you're going to be able to spot. And it's important, church, because you must be born again. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I want to give you a couple of quick thoughts from the end of this chapter. Marks of the new birth. How can I know that I am born again? 1 John chapter 5, verse number 11, the Bible says this, and this is the record. That God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. How can I know I'm born again? What are the marks of the new birth? I, I submit first that uh, there is a record. There is a record. This is the record. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Let me tell you, God's record is clear, amen? And God's record is certain. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no asterisk uh, for those who are of a different culture. There's no asterisk for those who are of a different religion. No man comes to the Father but by Him. There's no caveat for those who are really good. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, we see this. uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any, in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is a record. God's record is clear. God's record is certain. And you can think about it this way. Your testimony is almost like a birth certificate. You know, you, you think about a birth certificate. And it records of uh, the reality of what happened. Now, if I were to hold up this piece of paper and I were to tell you that this was my birth certificate, and it claims that I was born back in 1932, what would you say? You look good for that age? If you believe that, i got a bridge I'd like to sell you as well. You would say, I don't think so, something's off. Something's off. I mean, there may be some people in the auditorium this morning who could pass for 1932. No names. But not you. Why? Because the reality ought to match the record. Amen? The reality ought to match the record. Well, here, church, your testimony is kind of like a spiritual birth certificate. Let me ask you, what is the reason you feel like you're going to go to heaven? You know, when I ask that question as pastor, I hear a lot of interesting things. I hear, well, I was baptized, or I've always been a Christian. I hear that one a lot. That's not true. You were born a sinner apart from God, you have not always been a Christian. I hear that, well, this one time in my life, I got into a really bad situation, and I cried out to God, and He got me out of that bad situation. That's not salvation. That's not salvation. It's, well, I come to church, I believe the Bible, and I do good things. That's not salvation. When I ask that question as a preacher, I hear some really concerning stuff. But here's the thing. One day I'm going to stand before God and give an account. Now, do I have to remember the date that I was saved? No. No, I don't have to remember the date that I was saved. But here's what ought to happen. The record, the reality ought to match the record. Amen? Amen? In other words, when I stand before God, the reason I'm banking on that I'm getting into heaven ought to match his record. And if my reason doesn't match his record, buddy, I'm in trouble. Because i got some counterfeit documents I'm putting a lot of confidence in. The devil doesn't care what you believe so long as it's not the truth. Let me ask you, if you and I were to go to the office after church this morning, and I were to ask you, why why do you think you're going to heaven? What would you say? You see, so often, unfortunately, when, when it's put straight to it, people get real fuzzy. And fuzzy on heaven or hell is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. God doesn't intend this thing to be a hope so. I think so. Probably so. If you and I were to go back to the office and I would said, "What? What? what is that reason? Why, why do you think you're going to heaven? Let me ask you, would your reason match his record? I hope so. Our testimony is kind of like that birth certificate. The mark of the new birth is that our reason, our reality will match his record. This is the record, John says, that he has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. That's one mark of the new birth. There's a record. I got another mark of the new birth. There is a relationship. Look at verse number 12 of 1 John 5. He that hath the son, he that possesses, has a relationship with the son, has life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. How can I know that I'm born again? Well, there's a record, verse 11. There's a relationship, verse 12. If you look at verse 11, the Bible says, and this is the record that God has given unto us. Us is plural. That record is available for all of us, right? All of us can have that, uh, can understand that record. But you go to verse number 12, the Bible says, He that hath the Son. Now we switch from plural to singular. Because you see, that record is out there for everyone, but that relationship is only available to each of us individually. The relationship is individual. It's not because you go to a certain church or born into a certain family. The relationship is individual. You're not going to heaven because your grandma did, your mama did, your daddy did, or your preacher did. And the problem is when we stop and start thinking about a relationship, there's a lot of people who know about God, but they don't really know him. They know a lot about him. They're familiar with him. Familiar with Jesus, like they would be a celebrity or a politician or an athlete. They know details of his life. They know things that he did, things that he didn't do, things that he said, places that he went. Uh, they, they can tell you things about him, but the reality is they don't really know him. There's not a lot of real confusion on whether or not you know somebody. You know, I often hear I'll liken it to marriage, right? If, if, are you married? Well, I think so. Well, well, when did you get married? I don't know. It may have been like age 15 at youth camp, or, or maybe it was age 8, or, or, or maybe it was age 24. I don't know, I, but, but I'm pretty sure I'm married. I'm pretty sure that, that, that I have, you know, Eric, you may forget the anniversary date once, right? I hope not. I hope not. You're right. But you don't ever miss the fact that somebody else moved in. You don't miss the fact that everything changed. Let me ask you, do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus this morning? You may not know the date, but buddy, you can't miss the fact that he moved in and everything changed. Do you have a relationship with Jesus this morning? Do you know Him? Or do you just know about Him? You see, the mark of the new birth is that we will have a relationship with Him. Receiving the Lord Jesus as your Savior initiates a real relationship with Him, period. You must be born again. Preacher, how do I know that I'm born again? John tells us. Verse verse number 11, we see that we have a record. Verse number 12, we see that we have a relationship. There's a relationship there that, that, that is a mark of the new birth. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I want you to see one more mark of the new birth this morning as we bring it to a close. Verse number 13. John said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. John says, I have written you these things. I have written you this book that you might know that you're saved. And as you study the book of First John, here's what you find. You find that not only has God given us a record and not only has God given us a relationship, but that when we are born into the family of God, a revolution takes place and God remakes us into his image. Being born again is being transferred from death to life. It's being moved from darkness to light and it changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Little Timothy Richard Holmes. Whatever you do, don't call him little Ricky. That would get me in a lot of trouble. I'm probably already in a lot of trouble for mentioning it publicly. Was born October the 17th. 1.32 p.m. Here's the thing. The moment that child was born physically, he knew everything had changed how do you know that preacher well for the first time in his little life he went wah 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 over and over and over again he doesn't understand everything but there is no doubt that everything has changed forever When you are born again, hear me, I'm not saying you have to understand everything. But when you are born again, hear me, there is no doubt that everything has changed forever. There is a revolution that takes place, a remaking that takes place. Being born again from above radically changes things in a way that cannot be denied you look at the book of First John. John took five chapters and showed over and over and over again that it is a biblical impossibility to contain and to confine the work of Christ in our hearts. It is not possible to live in a witness protection program for Christians. Because Christians will not be perfect, but they will be different. Because when you are born again, you have a new nature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you cannot be what you were before because you are not what you were before. John talks about how we have new appetites. 1 John 2 and verse 15. Look at this verse. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hear me, when I get born again, it changes what I want. I no longer want the, 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 the junk of the world. Now I want what my Father has. I want His will and His way. It changes what I want. It changes who I love. 1 John 3 and verse number 14, the Bible says, We know that we have passed from death unto life. Here's a birthmark. Here's a birthmark. Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in yeah. death. Well, John just didn't know about sister so-and-so. John had to deal with Peter. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love The brethren. That's a birthmark. It changes what we want. It changes who we love. It changes our actions and attitudes. 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse number 3. And hereby do we know that we know him. Hey, it's a birthmark. If we keep his commandments. hmm. Verse number 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse number five. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. How do we know we're in him? It changes our actions and our attitudes. First John chapter five. Along the same lines, the Bible says this, verse number three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. You know, sometimes we can get weary, right? But I got an issue with people who claim to be Christians who don't want to come to church, who don't want to love the brethren, who don't want to walk in the light, who see everybody else's problems but not their own, who who don't care what God's word has to say. I, I take issue with that because the Bible says that, that the mark of the new birth is the total opposite of that. It's that we want the will of God and we love our brethren and we love his commandments and seek to keep them. We have new appetites, we have new affections, we have new attitudes, we have new actions and we have a new spirit living within us. First John 4 and verse number 13, the Bible says this, Hereby know we that we dwell in him, it's a birthmark. And he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Here's the thing, church. If you live this life and the Holy Spirit never convicts you, he never comforts you, he never encourages you, you can lay out a church and, and it doesn't bother you. You can talk about other people and gossip and it doesn't bother you. You can get online and do all sorts of wickedness and it doesn't bother you. Here's the thing. We better take note. Because when we are born again, we're different from the inside out. Can I say this in love this morning? Some of you have tried to change. But you haven't. You can't. The issue is, is that when you are truly born again, Jesus changes you. Period. He changes what you want. He changes what you love. He changes what you do. Can I in love this morning say, if you don't see a distinct change in your everyday demeanor, then there is the distinct possibility that there hasn't been a change to your eternal destiny. Because you cannot have the life of the Savior and continue living and loving a life of sin. Let me illustrate it one final way this morning. You can think of it almost as a default direction. The default direction is radically different before and after the new birth. So before I'm saved, boy, there's part of me that wants to do right. And so I have, to, I have to make myself do right. And I have to force my, and I have to keep the pressure on. And I have to really work at it and work at it and work at it. But my natural default instinct is to want to do, sorry, you guys are worldly fleshly today. You guys pick the good side of the building. And so I can try, and boy, I, I'm pushing, up and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. But my default position is, boy, I'm just going to come over here, because that's what my nature is. But when I get saved, it changes. My default position is, To want to love God and love his people and be in church and and do God's will and live for God. Now sometimes when the pressure comes on, you know, Jack Foster, he said those things about me. And buddy, I didn't like it very much and I wanted to hold a grudge and I wanted to hold a grudge. And you know, Jack Foster does this stuff all the time and we all know what he's like. But the Holy Spirit doesn't let me keep going in this direction, does he? The Holy Spirit doesn't let me keep going in this direction. Because my default now as a child of God is to come this way. And to forgive him as Christ has forgiven me. Amen. And as you look at your heart and your life this morning, can I ask you, what is your default direction? Because for those who are born of the Spirit, change and growth is not up to you. The Spirit who birthed you will grow you. Philippians 1.6 the mark of revolutionary change is one that is a mark of the new birth (sighs) the most important thing that you can ever know is that your soul is right with God no one really wants to go to hell but the sad truth is a lot of people are You don't have to. You don't have to. But hear me this morning, whether you're here in the sanctuary, watching by Facebook or radio, if you're going to go to heaven, you must be born again. I ask you this morning, is the Holy Spirit bringing conviction to your heart? Is the Holy Spirit doing that work of taking God's word and bringing conviction to your heart that you are not right before God? If the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to your heart this morning, would you get it settled? And nail it down. Nail it down. You can be born again today. Can I ask you, is there confusion in your heart? Well, I think I am, I might be, maybe, I don't know, and and I just I think so, but I lay awake at night and I say, Lord, if I'm not, then I want to be, and and what do I do? And is there confusion in your heart this morning? Get it settled. Nail it down. You can know that you are born again today. We don't have to live with doubt when it comes to salvation. These things are written, John said, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Cry out to God today, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know my sin separates me from you. But I believe that Christ died for my sins. He was buried and that he rose again. And I receive the Lord Jesus as my Savior today. It's not not magic words or, or, or specific things that we say. It is the prayer of faith. Putting our faith in the Lord Jesus. Cry out to God today. You can cry out to God right there in your seat. But here's what I want to ask. And I don't often ask for anything quite this specific. But I'm going to ask this specifically this morning. That if this morning you need to get it settled. You need to get it nailed down. You need to be born again. That even if you're just crying out to God there in your seat even as I talk... That in just a moment, when we start our time of invitation, I'd like to ask you to come forward and to meet with somebody. I'll have some counselors ready here at the front. Why do, you, do you need to talk with somebody else to get saved? No, you don't. You need to talk with God to get saved. But here's the thing. When Timothy was born, you know what he did? He cried out for those around him to come and help him. And if God is going to birth you into his family this morning, here's what you need. You don't need to be a newborn out on your own. You need to be a newborn who's connected with somebody who can help you. Amen. So I'm going to ask in just a moment, we're all going to stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I'm going to ask this morning, if you need to get it settled, if you need to be born again, you make your way to the front. We'll connect you with somebody that will take you to the back and go through God's word with you, pray with you. Help you to know and connect you with what God desires to do in your life. Christian, I challenge you this morning as well. You say, no, no, I know that I'm saved. I see the marks of the new birth in my life. Well, Christian, may we always remember that getting saved is not the end. It is the beginning. The the journey is not done for little Timothy. It has just begun. So get serious about your spiritual growth today. We're serious about our physical things. Let's get serious about our spiritual lives. Maybe, Christian, there's those around us who we know aren't saved. Maybe, tonight, maybe this morning we come and we fall on our face and we pray for those that are lost. And we ask the Spirit of God to do the work in their hearts that we cannot. Because the difference between heaven and hell comes down to one simple thing. Jesus said, marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again.